Welcome to Unleashed at Work and Home, the show dedicated to helping veterinarians, vet techs, dog trainers, shelter and rescue workers, pet sitters, and all the other animal-crazy pet professionals manage their stress and find more joy. I'm your host, Colleen Pilar, and I'm thrilled you're here with us today. Make sure you hit the subscribe button on your favorite app so that you won't miss a single episode. This episode is brought to you by our free community, the Circle of Resilient and Thriving Pet Professionals. If you like the ideas shared here, then you're invited to continue the conversation with other lifelong learners in the community. You can find out more at colleenpilar.com slash community. It's the perfect place for you to learn cool stuff, feel good, and take action to create the life you love. Come join us. Hi, my guest today is Dr. Marcy Kirk. She's the Assistant Director for Recent Graduate Initiatives for the AVMA. Welcome, Dr. Kirk. I'm so happy to have you. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I'm really eager to talk to you because you and I spoke before, and we chose our topic as being isolation. And you shared a a story of a time with me when, as a veterinarian, you felt very isolated. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's it's really funny because I think most people that meet me, I have a very bubbly, positive personality. So they're like, why is isolation your uh, word? Uh, but right when I graduated, you know, there, you go through veterinary school. And I think this is true for many people. You go through school and you have this cohort that you're with and then you're sort of out on your own doing your own thing. And, and it can feel very isolating. And so I already had that sort of feeling. And then... Um, I think I was out when the incident happened. I think I was out a couple years, but I think I was out about four years when uh, I had a board complaint come through. And for people that aren't familiar with that, because it goes by different names um, in different um, states and everything. So as a veterinarian and sometimes other professionals, you are licensed to practice in a specific state. And in order to do that, you had to pass boards and and everything. And and you want to keep your license, because that's how you are able to make your your living. And many people think about, oh, you know, if you think about a human physician that might be sued for malpractice, and that can happen, but it's very rare in the animal world. What's more common is to have what's called a board or a license complaint. And so what that is, is the board is set up to protect uh, the public. And so anyone can, if they're unhappy or or feel that the standard of care was not met for their pet, they can lodge a complaint with the board and the board has to investigate it. So I received a notice that a case that I had uh, worked on with two other veterinarians uh, was going in front of the board. And um, that really shook my confidence being so soon out. I had, I'd been involved in the veterinary profession and the animal world since I was 15, had wanted to be a veterinarian my whole life and had never met anyone who had been through this experience. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I felt very alone uh, and I was embarrassed. And I thought it, I, we talked about this in our, in our pre-call, but I suffer very much from like perfectionist and black and white thinking. So, I mean, you're either a good doctor 
or you get a board complaint. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm just going through like, oh my gosh, you know, how, how did I fail this, this pet? How did I fail this client? And um, I feel very lucky because I did have what's called licensure defense. So I had insurance that provided me with a lawyer to help me through this entire process. Cause this was the first time I'd ever gone through something again, didn't know anyone who'd gone through it. So couldn't base office, but this lawyer, that's what he does every day. So he was very well versed in it. So that helped a little. Um, and the other two veterinarians on the, the complaint did not have the licensure defense. So I was the only one that showed up and it all ended up well. I, I didn't have any repercussions. They have to research those things. It's there to set up to protect the public. And I totally understand that and respect the, the process. But it was really hard for me. It was a hard time and I, I was very emotional about it. So it took me a long time to talk about it. And I kind of regret that because if I had reached out to my network and I had actually, when I finally was able to talk about it, I was in this program called Power of 10 through the Illinois State Veterinary Medical Association where they take 10 veterinarians who are pretty recently out and, and sort of develop communication and leadership skills and what I learned is most board complaints come from communication breakdowns. So I was like, well, this is something that's for me. <laughs> anyway, I, I was talking to a couple of the people in my cohort and it turns out there was four of us that had already been through the board complaint process. And had I spoken up sooner, I don't know if they would have felt better because theirs were, you know, in the past and mine was pretty recent, but I certainly felt better because I look at them. I'm like, those are excellent doctors. These are great people. And whether or not a mistake was made, you know, they're still good people. And it just really helped me. And so that's really what drove me part of the way um, to this role at the AVMA, because I really struggled with that transition from school into my profession and I'm hoping that I can help at a national level develop resources or even just by sharing my story to hear people, that people can hear it and not feel so alone. Because I just, there's, for, for me, I'm very much an extrovert. And even if you're an introvert and recharged by yourself, you still need that community. And it's, it's hard when you don't feel like you have it. So that was a really, really tough time. But I, I can say this now, of course, um, I am thankful to have gone through it because I can speak from experience and I, I've, I've had a friend recently that went through it and was able to be there for her in a very meaningful way. I feel like, mm -hmm. yeah, that it's very traumatic experience to have that, to have your qualifications sort of called into question <laughs> and it can bring up some of some of our internal doubts. Yes. So tell me a little bit about how it affected you a little bit more deeply, if you could, if you could share. Yeah. So, I mean, I think most of us are pretty good at projecting confidence, but I certainly do struggle with imposter syndrome and, and never thinking I know quite enough or never quite sure of myself. And, you know, your first year out from any degree, you're really learning, you know, how to, to hold this position. And so I really felt like I was kind of hitting my stride, you know, by the time this complaint came through, I was at a different practice, but I was basically practicing on my own a couple of days a week. And so I was like, look at this. I didn't think I'd like being by myself, you know, um, but I really enjoyed it. And then that came and honestly, it really shook me. I, I really, really struggled. I had trouble sleeping and I, I had trouble eating, which if anyone has met me, that is not something I struggle with ever. <laughs> um, and I, I mean, I just, the sleep was real, was really hard, but I also, 
I, I feel really bad about this, but every time I walked into a room then, part of my brain was always processing like, okay, how are they going to come after me? How is this going to mm. be perceived? So I was like, I'm not practicing my best medicine. I don't feel like, cause I'm always on the defense. So I went from like, okay, let's talk about what all these options are to being like, this is the gold standard. And this is what I would recommend. You know, we can certainly talk about other options, but if we want to be thorough, you know, so I just, I mean, I, prov- I still provided excellent care, but there was a part of me that was always just really questioning what I said and how this was going to come back to me and and things like that. I mean, it it eventually, I was able to work through that, especially when I confided in some people and worked with people that had been through this before. Um, And whenever you kind of share more details about the case, it's like, okay, actually, you know, these steps were followed and there was some miscommunications that we could certainly strengthen, you know, things like that. So um, it did, it had a pretty large impact. Uh, impact on that time of of my life for sure. Yeah, and and the response that you've described is one that I think a lot of people will be able to relate to because our brains really are wired for safety. Mm-hmm. So the whole idea of I used to think this was safe to just walk in and talk to a client, and now I know it's not as safe as I thought it was. But that part that crops up and it's spending all its time chattering in the background isn't actually helpful usually, because it's um, diminishing your gifts and not making you show up with all of your talents and with all of your abilities, because it's just going play smaller, play safer, Mm -hmm. do what you can. So it actually isolates you even a little bit more, Mm -hmm. which is so fascinating to me that, um, that isolation is a public health hazard. I mean, that the statistics on loneliness show that it is more dangerous than obesity or cigarettes. And we all talk about, we know that, you know, we need to eat right, we need to move, we need to not smoke, we need to, but we don't talk about that we need to reach out, we need to be parts of communities, we need to have people that we can talk to about the hard stuff. And you mentioned your Power of 10 group. And I'd like you to to share a little bit about what benefit there was to you in having a group that you knew would get it, even if they Mm -hmm. didn't have that experience, they would at least know where you were with it. Yeah, that's a great question. I I love that group too. Actually, one of them was my classmate and she put it really well. It's even within your chosen profession or your area of a profession, you have to find your people. Mm-hmm. And that might change depending on what stage of your life you're at. So at that moment, those those were my people because um, we were going through this year-long program and we only met in person, I think, four or five times. But that is a group that I I, I see them at conferences now sometimes and things, but that I know I could reach out. When I started this job, I wanted to do like a mini series of webinars on on different topics. And I just threw it out there to that group. I'm like, would anybody in, be interested? I, I need this experience. And I had five responses within, you know, minutes. And so that was really cool. And it was just a really good bonding experience because we were all early in our career, but we'd all had different experiences but some of the same undertones, you know, mm-hmm. where, you know, a lot, you hear the story a lot in, in veterinary medicine where the new grad comes in and then the old boss is like, okay, I got to take vacation, you know, and, and you're on your own. So we <laughs> wanted, you know, coping with that or, or navigating, like it's when you're in school and learning, there's lots of levels of, okay, there's an intern and then a resident and then a clinician and then the whole hospital. So you sort of feel a little protected. 
when you're on your own, there's a business, you know, but the decisions are up to you. So it can be really tough. So it's really nice to talk to people that have that medical knowledge that can kind of assure you that you made the right steps. On the flip side, I do also think it's very critical to have a community outside of your profession yes. that is willing to listen to professional things, but also listen to other things. And mm-hmm. and that's one thing on our podcast that we really focus on is um, sometimes, I, I'm sure this is true for you too, but you get so defined. Like when someone asks you, they're like, oh, you know, this is such and such. You're like, yeah, I'm a veterinarian, mm-hmm. it's like, but I'm actually a lot more than that. So we always ask people, what's something you're passionate about outside of the profession? Um, but that's, you know like I said, going back to the the main point is, you know, finding your people, I think is just critical and it, it just enhances it. And that the friend that I was referencing, she never anticipated her career going the direction she did, but she now uh, runs her, a mobile hospice uh, and end of life care. And she's like, I would have never thought that was, but she goes, I just took a course. And then she's like, I knew right away, those were my people. This, mm-hmm. this was what I was meant to do. And this, and they get it they understood. And it's just, she's just flourishing and, you know, and it's just awesome to see. And that's how I feel sort of about organized veterinary medicine for me. You know, I get to go to these conferences. I get to meet so many people from across the profession and I'm like, this is all my people. Yes. Yes. And I think that the phrase of like finding your people is a really important and valuable one because we can be surrounded by people and still feel isolated. Yep. Oh, definitely. So we need to find the ones that we can connect with and and who we can share things with. And I also loved that you brought in the importance of of a broad range of people, not just all people in our profession or people who think the way we do, or because mm-hmm. sometimes we can get so stuck that we we can't see other um, yeah alternatives, options, or even just the bigger picture. Like this is not going to really matter in five years. It matters very much right now but not in five years. And sometimes somebody completely outside the profession will ask questions because they just don't know, Mm -hmm. which will help us to go, oh yeah, I guess this really isn't going to matter in five years. Yeah. That's such a good point um, that I just wanted to emphasize too, is I think that is part of the reason I felt so isolated during the board complaint, because I would be in this sea of people that were my people, quote, using air quotes, but I felt so alone because I'm like, none of them have been through this. None of them know what I'm going through. And that is the lowest, like loneliest point I ever experienced, mm-hmm. even though I was surrounded by pe- my people. I'm curious, when you decided to share, did you plan it? I'm going to share at our next meeting or did it just come up like, I have to say this? Well, that was something that was always, always, always on my mind. It was just always there, just kind of like this creature in my head. And we, I I just remember we were, I forget how it came up in the group. We were talking about communication or something and we had a lunch break and I told my friend about it and somebody else overheard too. And, and she unknowingly, she had been through one and then the other person had, and so it just kind of grew from there. So I don't know that I specifically planned it, but it was like always there. So I think I was always at the ready to share it. And now I, (laughs) now I intentionally share it. When I go and give presentations to uh, veterinary students, I I do try to weave it in a lot because I want, I I ask people, I said, show your hands. How many people know um, someone that's been through a board complaint or a licensed defense, you know, type of thing. Cause again, it's called different things. 
And I've maybe seen one or two hands, you know, raised out of hundreds. And so I said, you know, now you can all raise your hand because I've been through it and I just want to tell you it's going to be okay. You know, this is, um, this is what the process is and make sure you have licensure defense, uh, on your malpractice insurance. So little education in there too. It's, it's become my personal soapbox. <laughs> it's good to have a personal soapbox. Mine, mine is resilience. And I think community is a big piece of that. Like having connections with one another and, and feeling safe in that and, and recognizing that piece. So one of, one of the things that came up for me when you were talking about this, the board complaint aspect on a smaller scale, it's the negative Yelp review. I'm not even sure that's smaller. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> pretty public, you know, because no one would ever know that I went through a board complaint unless I lost my license. Mm-hmm. Um, but a Yelp review is pretty public and those can escalate so quickly. And I, I, I can totally see that being, you know, your business it, it relies on that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that could make someone feel very isolated and scared and all of the negative self-talk pieces that come up, maybe I really aren't as good as I thought I was and create the change in behavior that you had described where you're showing up with your clients in a different way mm-hmm. than you would have if you felt more secure, if you felt understood and connected and supported by others. Yeah, it's a really, it's a really tough thing. So, um, what would you say are tips for somebody who's feeling isolated and wants to find her people or his people? Yeah, it's so different for everyone too, because I, I know a lot of people identify as introverts versus extroverts, and I don't w- want that to be a limiting <laughs> factor because you still need that connection. And so you might need it in a smaller dose, but I, I mean – to me, somewhat of a safer space. It can be. I understand the internet's got its problems, but I mean, just joining some social media groups that are in your interests, and and even just kind of what I you know stalking them, where you you don't you don't you lurk, you just read, you don't participate, and it makes you feel like something. Um, I also am a big fan of podcasts and finding things outside and within your profession, listening mm-hmm. to things. It makes you feel a part of a community without actually having to make that next step. But I think when uh, we're allowed to go back to conferences and gatherings, I mean, just put yourself out there. There's a, there's going to be somebody else there that doesn't know anyone either. And it's just the connections that you can make and those relationships you can build. You never know where it's going to lead. Yeah. And so it's, it's tough. I hate net networking, you mm-hmm. know, again, with those air quotes, I, I'm terrible at it. I just, I fumble and feel very awkward, but as soon as I can find that thing that we connect on, whether it's professional or personal, even if it's in a professional setting, I'm all in, like I yeah. will make that relationship work and, and everything. So usually I try to fumble around and say like dogs, you know, cause I, I'm a big dog person or I really like Disney and I like running. And I'm like, these are all things that we could talk about. And I kind of just like throw things out until someone <laughs> Matches on to something, and I'm like, okay, we've got a connection now. And it's, it's, it can be super awkward. There are people that make it look really easy, but just know that everyone's okay with it being awkward, even if you have to start with the weather or, you know, next year it's all going to be like, wow, 2020, man, that was, that was tough, you know? So, yeah, it's, you know, we're going to have these things that we can bond with, but I just, it's, it's hard taking those first steps, 
but it is so worth it in the end that um, just challenge yourself to take those first steps. So when you just said dogs, Disney and running, (laughs) Dr. Lori Schulte popped into my head. Do you know her? I don't, but it sounds like maybe I should. (laughs) Dogs, Disney and running. We'll, We'll make sure that you meet her because... That's a trifecta, at least from my perspective. I think I think that's one of your people. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I've met, you know, it's one of the first conferences I went to in this current uh, role that I have. Uh, one of my, I made an acquaintance and she's like, I have someone you have to meet. And it was someone, it was a veterinarian that was getting ready to run her first Disney race. And we've connected so much through that and bonded through that. And I honestly, we would never have met had that friend not known I had that passion for Disney, not known she was running her first Disney race. And um, it's been a relationship that's been really fun. She runs the same race I do every year. And we managed to, this is typically, you know, a 26,000 person event. And we've managed to, to somehow find each other and connect each year. And it's been awesome. How fun. How fun. So I know that small moments can have really big ripples. So the moment when you decided to share this, that changed the trajectory of who you are and how you show up in the world. So I'm wondering if you can jump ahead to 2025 and look at the you that you expect you'll be because you now have this insight about the the fear that came up from this board complaint and the isolation and the importance of, of ending that versus the you that might have been practicing in 2025 had you not had the realization, but had had the board complaint. The board complaint occurs mm-hmm. and one person realizes, oh, I need to reach out and one person doesn't. What? How are you different? Well, I, I really think if I hadn't built, like if go the negative way first, if I hadn't built a community and shared with anyone, I just think I'd be practicing very scared medicine. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't be, what I really loved when I was in practice full time was the connections I made with clients and the, and the patients. And I wouldn't be doing that. So I would not be fulfilled, which means for me professionally, if I'm not fulfilled personally, I'm not going to be fulfilled. I'm not going to be the best version of myself. I'm sure I would have some very unhealthy habits. My sleep hygiene would be off the chart bad. <laughs> Um, but having built a community, I mean, I'm not saying it's always sunshine and perfect and, um, Nothing ever I, is. yeah, I certainly have to reach out quite a bit and I hope you never know the impact you're having on other people, but I hope I'm there for plenty of people because it is the little things to just listen. Mm-hmm. And so I, I hope I provide that to other people, but maybe never even have the knowledge that I've done that. Um, so I definitely, and I've noticed cause I do some relief work still that, you know, my demeanor is a lot different. You know, I want to make those connections. I want to do the best that I can. And and it's going to be okay if things go sideways sometimes because I've experienced it and it's going to be okay. And that doesn't mean I'm a bad doctor. It might mean I have some things to learn, um, whether it's communication or skills or other things like that. Um, and it might just be that you caught someone on a bad day. We're all going through things and they might have had something else that was really bad going on, but this was the thing they focused on. And it's unfortunate, but we've all been there where it's like, you're not really yelling at the customer service person. You're not really upset with them. There's something else bigger going on. So I'm um, trying to see the bigger picture. And, and I've, my, 
my community has really helped with that. So I probably am guilty of oversharing maybe a little, but um, I hope that I repay that to people too. Yeah, I think there's a real power in listening and sharing. There's something amazing about helping, about bearing witness um, and helping people know that they're not alone in tough times and that others have experienced something, not necessarily the same thing because it is different for each of us, but nobody makes it through life without any pain or any struggle. And when we can show up and say, I'm sorry that this is your difficult moment, can I just be with you? Um, that that can be very powerful. I think it's one of the one of the elements I'm really trying to build in my groups, in, in the Unleashed Resilience community, and also in the small group coaching programs. I think my small group coaching is probably not unlike your power of 10, where it will be people working together to, to all make changes and to, to make changes in a safe way mm-hmm. with, with layered growth. And I think that element comes largely from the community, from taking away that sense of isolation. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So isolation also occurs like within professions, um, like silos between professions. Mm -hmm. So veterinarians, no veterinarians, dog trainers, no dog trainers, groomers, no groomers. What impact would it have if we did a better job as the big group of pet professionals of of really trying to reach out and establish some connections with, with other pet professionals who are in different fields. Yeah, this is something I really love um, how my co-host on our podcast says it, but she likes to look at it from an abundance mentality and that we can elevate each other. And Mm -hmm. veterinarians are very busy as are many other animal professionals because pets have risen to being, you know, part of the family. Yes. And there are, there are certainly times where, and many of our personalities, I'm going to generalize a little bit in veterinary medicine, we want to solve everything. We want to fix it all. And we want you to be happy and, and your pet to be healthy and have that bond um, just really strong. But there are certainly things that are beyond what, you know, like I've been trained and, and there might be veterinary professionals. So I know veterinarians that have gone on to do behavior things, but I think if we could have a whole care team and people that you trust, you know, if someone comes with you with a puppy and they're like, I really want to do some puppy training, but you don't offer it at your clinic. You want to know that there's a, a trainer or a facility or an organization that can really help them provide good care. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, same with like grooming. If you don't provide grooming, you, that's a really um, place where a lot of things can go <laughs> sideways too. Yes. Um, yes. And so we do you want good fear-free groomers out there. Yeah. It makes a yeah. huge difference for veterinary care and just for quality of life. Yep. So it's like, you know, if you as a veterinary professional go into a new community, it's really smart to get to know who aligns with your vision and beliefs as well, so that you can make those knowledgeable recommendations. And sometimes it's just personal fit too. I mean, mm-hmm. I may be. I, I, there was a, a dog trainer I loved. I, I took my own dog there um, in central Illinois. When I, we just, we had the best time and we would do fun classes and we'd do other classes, you know, like actual training classes. And I would recommend them because I had great personal experience, but sometimes those personalities don't jive, you yeah. know, so they might need Gotta something find else. Your people. 
Yeah. So, um, just having a list that you can give people and they can, you know, figure out what works for them. Um, I think it's really helpful because it is, you know, a team approach in my opinion is always better. And then the, that frees the veterinary up to really focus on the medicine because sometimes behavioral issues are medically related and sometimes they are strictly just behavior. And sometimes it's a combination that you need both to come together. And so you got to work closely with the the team and maybe that's not an area that that particular veterinarian feels strongly about. So they need to bring in more people to understand that. But sometimes it's hard to have that humility. So we always say, and this is from Anna, my co-host, she's like, you know, the abundance of the abundance mentality and an attitude of gratitude. So those are the things that I think can serve us all really, really well. Um, So, yeah. I agree completely. And I think that's a great spot to wrap up the abundance mentality and an attitude of gratitude really is what we all need all the time. So if people want to learn more about you and your work, how could they do that? Sure. So um, my email is mkirk at avma.org and I am on there regularly. And the website that it's mostly uh, focused on veterinarians that are just starting their career, but I think there's some great advice in there just in general on well-being and finances and career. And that's myveterinarylife.com. Great. Thank you so much, Marcy. I really appreciate you coming on Unleashed at Work at Home today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Unleashed at Work and Home. I invite you to come learn more at ColleenPilar.com where you can be steady, be strong, and be long.